Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Andrew. I'm the Senior Minister at St Mark's. It's great to be with you uh, this day. Now, we're very close to the end of the year now, aren't we? I think by this stage, hopefully, all the end-of-year activities are locked in. Have all the plans been made, finalised? Nothing new, nothing new from here on in. Um, all the Christmas presents, I'm sure, have been bought. There's going to be like, no last minute. No? OK. All the food's been bought, everything's ready. Some people are getting a bit stressed here, I think, after, as we are saying that. Um, so as we come to the end of the year, one of the things I like to think about at the end of the year is what, is, what have I learnt during that year? So I want to ask you to think, well, what have you learnt in 2021? Uh, I personally have learnt some new skills. I now know how to turn a generator on. I'm slightly better with a chainsaw than I used to be. I finally, or getting close to learning how to put a face mask on without my glasses uh, fogging up. That's been a two-year job. So there's a few things you might have learnt this year. I've learned a few things. Now, during this year, I've also learned a bit more about the Holy Spirit and my relationship to the Spirit. And as Jerome said, the Holy Spirit's been the theme of our teaching at St Mark's this year as a church. Every year I do like to have a theme that brings together the different parts of the Bible that we look at together. Uh, this year I decided, well, let's look at the Holy Spirit and learn more about him. How do we understand and experience God's Spirit in our lives? So we've looked at parts of the Bible, like the book of Acts, and how the Spirit guided the first Christians in their mission. And we looked at 1 Corinthians as well, where Paul teaches uh, this church about how the Holy Spirit is going to change the lives of Christians, give us new gifts, give us new challenges and opportunities and callings. And we've just read before, uh, before this about the journey of the Israelites in the desert, in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites learned to trust that the Spirit of God would lead them where they were going to go. So all of those passages do teach us a lot about the Holy Spirit, but they do still leave, I think, many questions unanswered. Because what you might notice in the Bible, if you read what it has to say about the Holy Spirit, is that the, the Spirit is almost always spoken about indirectly. We see what the Spirit does. We see the effect the Spirit has on people, and people talk about that. But the question actually remains, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is behind these actions and effects that we see in the lives of God's people? Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, if I were to talk to you and ask you maybe to describe your understanding of the Holy Spirit and what kind of language might you actually use, I think we might find ourselves talking about the Spirit using language perhaps of an energy or a force or a power or perhaps talking about the Spirit being like water, something that God pours out over his people. Maybe we would describe the Spirit in terms of the feelings that we have, a sensation we associate with encountering God in various ways. Jesus described the Spirit in this kind of way. He said the Spirit is like the wind, something we can't see but we can feel. So in John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, The wind blows wherever it goes, wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So you can hear the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is actually a very elusive, almost mysterious character in the Bible. Felt but not seen. But the fact is the whole of the Bible, in one sense, is designed to lead us to the experience of being filled with God's Spirit. So it's important then that we understand the Spirit as well as we can as part of our journey with him. 
So in the last couple of weeks this year, I'd like us to move into some of what is really the heart of the teaching about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, which is the words of Jesus himself about who the Holy Spirit is and what he will do, and who better to tell us than Jesus about that. So as as Jerome said, again, we're looking at three chapters of the Gospel of John. We're looking at chapters 14 to 16, where Jesus at the Last Supper, he gave his disciples kind of their last masterclass in understanding God. And he speaks here very openly and in some detail about the Holy Spirit. And so we'll look at those passages and say, what do they have to show us about the Spirit? Now, the context of this teaching is very important. So as you might know, this part of the Gospel of John comes just before Jesus is arrested and crucified at the Last Supper, as we call it, with his disciples. And this is the point when the disciples realize that Jesus is serious about the fact that he's going to die and they'll be left without him. They hadn't believed it up to this point. Because they had great hopes for what he was going to do as the Messiah. And it seems though all he can talk about now is how he's going to be betrayed and handed over to death. And so of course they're very worried now. And they're afraid. And they don't know what's going to happen now at this point. And so chapter 14, as you might know, begins with Jesus comforting his disciples saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he has to go on then to explain to them, well, why shouldn't they be troubled? What should they believe that will give them comfort uh, during this time? And so this is where his words in chapters 14 to 16 about the Holy Spirit come from, to bring that message of comfort home to their hearts and minds so they understand. So today as we start this short series, I want you to think about I want to think with you about what I think is the central revelation that Jesus gives with regards to the Holy Spirit in these chapters. And this revelation is that even though we do talk about the Spirit as a blowing wind, as a power, an energy, a spring of water, and all those material images and analogies we use, the Holy Spirit, he says, is ultimately a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And this person is not just another spiritual being in the world like an angel or something that we might encounter. This spirit is the personal spirit of God, the creator himself. So this mysterious presence in the world that they can only feel but can't see like the wind, the sense that God is working in the world around us in hidden ways, the power that's poured out onto God's people when they come to him, that is actually the personal presence of God himself. The spirit of Jesus, God's son, and the spirit of God, the father. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and us here that when they experience spiritual power, spiritual gifts, God is not somewhere far away from them bestowing these gifts at a distance like someone ordering online and sending through the mail, you know, arriving at your doorstep. No, when you experience those things, they are actually personally connected in to their God and to Jesus himself. So, obviously, therefore, when Jesus goes away, they will not be alone at all. They shouldn't be troubled. So this idea that the Holy Spirit is the personal connection to God of of Jesus' disciples is the theme of this passage in verse 15 to 21 of chapter 14. So what does Jesus actually say here, just to get a few of the, um, the points that he brings out? Well, what he tells them here is that this process of following him, of being his disciples obeying his teachings, keeping his commands, all the things he's been teaching them for several years, is actually the gateway to this personal relationship with God himself through the Spirit. Jesus may be going away from them physically, 
But spiritually, when that happens, a new relationship is going to be established. He will give them a new way of experiencing God. And everything that he's taught them actually is, is to set up this to happen and to continue. And that's what they've been training for as disciples of their master. They've been training to, to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in them. And as Jesus says from then on, he says the Holy Spirit will live with them and in them. And because of that, Jesus himself, because it is his spirit, will remain with them and in them too. And they will be filled with the personal love of God the Father. Now, for those of you with ears to hear, you can start to say, hear the idea of the Trinity in the background here. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute and think about what that means. But firstly, just think, Jesus is saying this spirit is going to come. But who is this spirit, this Holy Spirit that the Father will send? Well, he tells them a few things about the spirit. Firstly, that he is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. So the character they're going to see in the spirit is that he will bring truth to them and to the world through them. What is what is true is what is real. It's what can be relied on. And that's why in the next two weeks, as we look at these passages further, we'll see that the spirit is going to be their teacher and their guide. And we'll think more about that in other passages. Um, but today he says particularly that the spirit is going to stand right with them through their whole journey. So there's a key verse here in verse 16. Jesus says in verse 16, And I will ask my Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now the word advocate here is very important. So what's an advocate? It here means something like a lawyer or the solicitor who might stand by you in court supporting you in your case. That's the advocate for you. And the word that's translated advocate here, it's often been translated in other ways. Another uh, uh, good way is to be the comforter, someone who stands by you and comforts you and encourages you, which I think is also appropriate. So Jesus is saying here, when he leaves them, this thing they're so troubled about, they won't be alone. They will receive the spirit. He's going to be their advocate, their comforter, their friend, their encourager. A personal presence of God will stand beside them beside God's people and support them forever, as he says. He will be with you forever. And so this advocate, the Holy Spirit, is the answer to their confusion and distress of being separated from Jesus. When Jesus leaves them, he says, things aren't going to get worse, you're not going to lose what you had, things are actually going to get better because you're going to be moving into this new relationship to the Holy Spirit and God, the Holy Trinity. So I do just want to speak to you about the Trinity for a moment. I know this is a topic people can have problems with and get frustrated by, I know, because we talk about God is one and three and three and one, and it can get a bit um, technical in the way it's presented, and the practical meaning of it is often lost. And so, you know, a lot of arguments around the idea of the Trinity, um, they're really linguistic arguments or philosophical arguments about very detailed words and concepts. And that's important in their own context, but this is not the real point for what Jesus is teaching here for our daily lives as Christians. So, the idea of the Trinity as that's who God is really comes from what Jesus teaches here and what the disciples of Jesus experienced, which is the reality that through Jesus, God lives in us and we live in God in a personal relationship. Last week, Bishop Paul spoke about the great commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He reminded us of the fundamental belief of Old Testament Israel that there is only one God. There is only one God. One true God. Now that's definitely true, but Jesus says, well actually that's true, but there's even more than that to learn about who God is. 
Jesus takes us further than that and teaches us that when you approach the one God and experience him, you don't find a lonely, isolated, supreme being up there in the heavens a long way away from the creation. What you find actually is there is this divine community of love that you can actually kind of get inside spiritually and live in, in community with. And this community is the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the, and the Trinity, this God, somehow lives inside creation as well and is capable of, of dwelling with us inside our hearts, inside our spirits, inside our world. And so technicalities aside, that's what the Trinity means. We can live in God and God lives in us. And that's why it's a comfort to the disciples of Jesus when he goes away to learn about this. And as he, as he says earlier in chapter 14 in this famous verses that we often quote at funerals, he says, I'm going away from you in order to prepare a place for you in the house of the Father. Uh, the house of the Father is God himself. So this is what he teaches them about the Spirit, this, the personal presence of God with them forever, their advocate and comforter. So were they comforted, were they comforted by what Jesus said? Did they understand it? Probably not, it's not straight away. The disciples didn't really understand very much of what Jesus said straight away. We know that. Um, but we know that over time they did understand it because this idea comes up again um, further in the New Testament in a number of places. But we can hear it again most strongly, of course, in the letter that John wrote later to the church in Ephesus, First uh, John. He talks to them about how will this church, this new church of Christian people, how will they know that Jesus is alive and he's with them and changing their lives? So in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 23, he writes to them, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave to us. This is what Jesus said, isn't it? And he goes on in uh, 1 John 4, 12 to 13. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So this is this first thing that I think Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit, which is about the personal nature of God and how we encounter God's personal life in our own lives in his spirit so having understood that we can then go back to all the other things we know about the spirit from other parts of the bible and say well when i encounter god acting in various ways i'm encountering the personal spirit of god in my life today so when when we do experience things like empowerment inspiration when we receive spiritual gifts and exercise them when we feel peace and joy and healing and see transformation in our lives when we learn the truth, when we're guided, in a sense, God's presence leading us, when we know that God loves us, all of this is actually coming from a personal, the person of the Spirit of God who lives in us and we live in him. This is who God is. So if we're seeking the gifts of the Spirit, if we want to know God better, what we're really seeking is a personal knowledge of God and to know Jesus better and what he taught us how to do so that we can enter into this new relationship with the Spirit. So what have you learned this year? I hope that as we get to the end of the year and you look back, we've not learned just facts about the Spirit or even just to see the Spirit at work around us in an indirect way. I hope we've learned that. But I hope also that we do learn to enter more deeply into this relationship that God is inviting us into. 
that the experience we will have of the comforter or the advocate beside us every day, forever. This is what Jesus is offering us as his people. So I'd like to pray and invite him to let us know that today as we come to worship together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in going away you have not left us alone. In fact, you invite us into the relationship of your Father and the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we thank you that you are with us always, beside us, inside us, working through us. We pray that we would know your personal touch in our lives, that we would be drawn to a deeper knowledge of God and that you would walk beside us in all the trials and challenges that we face. I pray that this community would know your personal presence deeper and deeper each day. In Jesus' name, amen.